it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Welcome, everybody, to the Hammer and Rails podcast. With you, as always, I'm your host, Andrew Ledman. And I'm Ryan Bonaparte. And we're here after what has got to be one of the most thrilling, exciting, joyful, amazing Purdue Sports Weekend uh, in in my lifetime, maybe even ever. Um, Purdue with with three victories in basketball, two over top ten opponents in walks, uh, an, an amazing victory over IU that clinched the Big Ten West. I mean, just an absolute bonkers weekend. Uh, I mean, Ryan, can you think of anything that compares to this in Purdue? Uh, and your fandom? Not this scale, back to back to back to back to back. Right. Five I mean, it, straight events. Whew. I mean, it's just uncalled for, or not uncalled for. It it doesn't happen to Purdue fans. What is this feeling? I don't know. It's wild. It's wild. And, I mean, it just built and built and built over the entirety of the weekend, um, starting out on Thursday, you know, Thanksgiving Day, with that game against West Virginia. So we're going to go through everything uh, that's happened since our last podcast, which is quite a bit. You know, like I said, Purdue has played three basketball games and a football game. So we thought it'd be fun to kind of go through and relive the weekend as it happened. Um, no question today, we've got too much to cover. So Purdue starts out uh, the the Phil Knight Invitational with a game against West Virginia. This was a game at, what was it, 10.30 was the tip-off? I believe so. Yeah, 10.30 tip-off. 
And West Virginia is a good team. I mean, a Bob Huggins coach team, whether they're unranked or not, is always going to be a, a tough game. And certainly it was going to be Purdue's toughest opponent to date. Um, you know, they they just beaten Marquette in their most recent game by five. Heading into Portland, Oregon, you know, neutral site game, which is always better for your um, NCAA tournament resume against West Virginia. Purdue walks out of there with a double-digit victory, 80-68, to and just they looked so good doing it uh pulling up the stats now ryan i know you've already got them up who was it that stood out to you in that game so it's quite obvious it, it's almost always our go-to now it's still zach Eadie. right he just towers over everyone he had 24 points in 27 minutes 7 or 12 from the field 10 of 12 from the free throw line 12 rebounds and he did have some turnovers he had a bit of an issue against his Bob Huggins defense. He had four personal fouls, six turnovers, so they were getting to him a bit, but he just still willed his way into uh, getting his shot, and it ended up working for him in, in the end. Yeah, I think one thing with with Edie we're going to see a lot. I mean, he's, he's going to have fits of turnovers, but I don't think it's all mm-hmm. his fault. I mean, as we've said on this podcast uh, dozens and dozens of times, Officials just don't know how to officiate someone his size. So he has to be like brutally hacked to get the foul call. Whereas, you know, if they're hanging on his body or hanging on his arm, he won't necessarily get that call like he would if he were 6'6". So some of those turnovers, I think, are him often getting fouled but not getting the call. It's just the nature of the way the NCAA officials call games absolutely and you know they they even mentioned that in today's game uh recording on sunday that the the sheer size of zach Eady, when you're going up against people that small comparatively it's just unfathomable for someone to be that much larger than these towering guys mm-hmm. i mean I'm six three, and that's just sane to me. Yeah did you so. did you did you happen to catch the um, interview clip that Andy Katz put online with Zach Eady's mom? Absolutely. Yep. She's six three. She's, and she's six the three. Of the litter. Yeah, she's six three, and she's the smallest one in the family. Um, she said she said Zach Eady got taller than her when he was twelve years old. Just six three at twelve. I mean, wow. just astounding. Uh, and the and the thing that no one told him to play basketball until you know <laughs> it's like six years ago in his life, just wild. That would never happen if he grew up in America. <laughs> he would he would have had a basketball in his hands when he was six. Oh yeah, but did you know Zach Eady played baseball <laughs> and hockey? Yeah, that's the first. You know, I said so. Uh, somebody put that out on Twitter, and I said, "Oh my gosh, that's the first I'm hearing of this." And somebody responded, "Are you serious? They say it on every broadcast." I'm like, yes, I'm joking. This is a this yeah. is a Purdue website Twitter account. Yes, I knew that. I watch every game. Kind of like last year, did you know that Jaden Ivey's mom was the head coach of Notre Dame? No, I don't. I think I would have heard something about that if that were the case. Ah, uh, crazy. Yeah, same and same things Eddie every is game. Still growing. He's. Uh, they said I think yesterday or today. He I think was it was today. To yeah, seven six. I just like, okay. It's, sure. it, yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy. So, I mean, he obviously had a great game. Two other uh, people that I think deserve a special call-out in this game. Uh, one is Ethan Morton. He had 28 oh. minutes, uh, tops on the on the team. Didn't have a great shooting night, only one for four, but he was two from two at the line, grabbed two rebounds, but he had nine assists against zero turnovers. And 
you know, that Ethan Morton is not a flashy player, but that is the kind of game that he can put together when all of a sudden you look up at the stat sheet and you're like, oh my gosh, he has nine assists. And it didn't really feel like he did anything out of the ordinary for him. He just, he had some great passes and people connected on the, on the shots. So kudos to him. And also Mason Gillis, 24 point or 24 minutes, uh, four for five from the floor, including two for three from three point line and four for five, uh, from the free throw line to go along with five rebounds uh, and two steals. So 14 points overall for him. He was the only other Boilermaker in double figures, but man, it was just, it's this team is so good at sharing the ball and finding the open man, making the extra pass. It's a, it's amazing to me because there are so many new pieces, right? And you saw this. I mean, West Virginia had not given up 60 points in a game for uh, their entire season up until this point, Purdue dropped 80 on them. Mm-hmm. They will find the open man. They will not take a bad shot if there's another open man on a wing. There's five or six times each game you'll think, okay, shoot the three, it's a good shot, and then they will just dish to the wing, and it is a wide-open shot. Yeah. And it feels good to see Zach, or Mason Gillis get those threes to fall. He's been having a bit of issue from beyond the arc this year. And once he gets going, we saw what he can do behind the line, especially if he has the wide opens, he yeah. can make those. Shots. So yeah. it's good for his confidence to see the ball go in the basket. Yeah. And I mean, last year he was roughly 40% from three. Um, so if he can continue that clip this year, obviously great news for Purdue, great news for Zach Eady as it continues to spread the opposing uh, defense out. So, you know, Trey Kaufman ran, looked good. He had 15 minutes, wound up with seven points. Um, you know, no one really looked bad. Um, lawyer lawyer had a had a not great shooting night. He was one of five, but it's, it's hard to come up with complaints when you beat a uh, West Virginia team by 12. You know, Purdue did turn the ball over 18 times. Uh, but they're a young team. They're still finding themselves. They've got two guards who start as freshmen. So to commit 18 turnovers, you don't love it, but you can live with it uh, when you look at it as a learning experience and you still win by 12. Right, absolutely. Plus, the team got, as a whole, got to the free throw line 28 times. Yeah. That was a pretty consistent um pretty consistent standard for Purdue this weekend is they got to the line and they made their shots. They were 24 or 28 against West Virginia. Yeah. That is winning basketball. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they scored 13 more points at the free throw line than West Virginia did and they won the game by 12. So, you know, that's the ball game right there. And overall, again, you're pointing out good free throw shooting. Purdue also as a team shot very well from beyond the arc, eight of 17, 47%. So, Purdue looked good on offense when they got the shots up. The only problem really was the turnovers. Um, but as I said, you you assume it's going to be a difficult game when you're playing West Virginia. Bob Huggins known for his good defense. So Purdue, even even with those turnovers, they also did out-rebound West Virginia 35-31. to So overall, just a very good game for Purdue. You would have liked to see fewer turnovers and would have liked to have seen West Virginia get fewer offensive rebounds. They had 15, um, but... You know, again, Purdue out-rebounded them overall. So, again, hard to hard to quibble with what we got in that West Virginia game. Is there anything else about that game you want to chat about before we move on to the next one? Well, strangely enough, going back to the offensive rebounds for West Virginia, some of those are actually just due to the fact that 
um, Purdue is putting in too much effort. It's two Purdue players go up for a rebound at the same time and knock it away from each other. Yeah, we saw same that a couple turnovers. times. Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's almost a good problem to have. I mean, obviously you want to clean that up, but the effort is there, and it's extremely noticeable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, effort is, I don't think, ever will be a question for this Purdue team. They They hustle for everything. In fact, there was... There was a moment. There was a moment in that game where uh, I think it was Braden Smith saved the ball and threw it beyond half court, and then Lawyer uh, went after it as well to try to save it. Uh, ultimately, couldn't save it, but it went out of bounds under Purdue's basket, and so it forced West Virginia to take the ball out with just one second to go on the shot clock, uh, and West and West Virginia couldn't get anything off. Ultimately, you know, then Purdue gets the ball back under their own basket. I mean, it was it was just an incredible hustle play. Absolutely, and th- those are the plays that you you remember. Those are the memorable plays. The effort is incredible. I know sometimes there was a question of effort last year. Oh yeah, but that will not be the case this year. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it's going to be a problem now. So. Purdue uh, won game one of the the Phil Knight Invitational. That means they awaited the winner of Portland State and Gonzaga. That, of course, was Gonzaga. So Gonzaga and Purdue met on Friday, and that was an 11.41 p.m. Eastern tip-off. So uh, before we get into the game, Ryan, you're in central time right now. Is that correct? Correct. So for you, it was a 10.41 tip. How did you hold up uh, as far as staying up for the game and getting through the game. I know you're a young buck compared to me. <laughs> See, I'm starting to get I'm starting to get sleepy. I'm getting old. Um, but yeah, both of these games were hard because Thursday night you were still uh sleepy from your Thanksgiving dinner and then Friday night you're sleepy from your leftovers. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I can only imagine what it'd be like at home. home yeah. where it's on Eastern time. It, yeah. It was it was rough. Um I actually, it was about eight o'clock and I was like, oh my God, I have almost four hours before this game starts. Cause I knew it wasn't going to start right at 1130 cause you're the second game. You know, it's always going to be a little bit later than they say. So mm-hmm. like I said, it ended up being 1141 tip off. Uh, by the time the game started, my wife was already asleep on the couch and I don't blame her. Uh, so, <laughs> I, but I was able to stay awake, had a Coke zero in me. Uh, that I started at about halftime or so, really powered me through. And thank goodness I did because what a basketball game this was. Uh, Purdue faced number six ranked Gonzaga. I think that's important to point out. And came away with an 84-66 victory and outscored them in the second half 51-38. to uh, And then in the first half held Gonzaga to just 28. So just a dominating performance. Uh Purdue struggled at the outset of the game, looked very shaky, uh, couldn't seem to get anything going, but once they turned it on, they did not turn it off the entirety of the game. It was it was just a brilliant performance from everyone involved. Absolutely, and everyone who played, I think, except uh, Waddell and Jenkins didn't get any points, but they still made contributions in some limited minutes. But, I mean, this was obviously a Zach Eady game again, mm-hmm. but it was the freshman that came to play. Oh, yeah. Brayton Smith, Frelcher Lawyer, 33 and 34 respective minutes, 14 points between the two of them. They looked like they were 
just they were they looked like seasoned veterans and yeah uh, and it was such a good matchup between Zach Eady and Drew Timmy who is still on Gonzaga apparently yeah. he's not retired <laughs> yep um that you had probably the best matchup you can have between big men in the season in this one and it did not disappoint no zach Eady and drew timmy just went blow for blow Eady scored 23 timmy scored 22 there were points you just had to applaud drew timmy he would just make a shot somehow out of the blue and you're like okay you know what good for him he kudos you know yeah yeah but and i mean it was just you were giddy to watch the game it yeah. was just marvelous to yeah. watch and I mean, him and Timmy weren't on each other, uh, guarding each other the entirety of the game, but they were at spurts. And I mean, you gotta, like you said, you gotta respect Timmy for making those shots over a seven foot four Edie who was busting his ass on defense uh, when Timmy was out there. I think he probably took it as a little bit of a challenge, you know, because Timmy gets so much uh, publicity and so much more, I think, respect in a lot of corners of the national media than Zach Edie does. And I think Edie was kind of like, this is a good chance for me to go out there and prove who I can be. And he certainly, certainly stepped up. But to your point from earlier, I mean, Braden Smith, Fletcher Lawyer, 33 and 34 minutes respectively. Combined, the two of them had 28 points, 12 assists, and 8 rebounds. That's, that's it, a good day. I mean, those are two, again, two true freshmen playing against the number six team in the nation on what was essentially a home home court for Gonzaga you know mm-hmm. this is in their neck of the woods um the two of them only turned it over three times uh, it was it was the best they have played uh they're in their short Purdue careers I mean at this point it only had been That's five it. games but my goodness they looked fantastic and, and to top it off seven from eight from the free throw line for the two of them and that's the kind of thing that keeps you on the floor at the end of games. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, you mentioned turnovers. Zach Eady only had one turnover mm-hmm. in this game and three blocks. So he's he's learning to time his jump. Yes. And it is just spectacular. Yeah. Normally, he, he knows now that he doesn't always have to jump. Right. Yeah. You're seven foot four. Shoot over seven foot four. Yeah. That's not normal. So he's learning that and. He knows that if he does jump, you're getting your hands on the ball. Yeah. It's it's so great to see him do to learn this and learn how not to foul that he's able to put in so many more minutes because Casey mentioned this uh last week when he has the ball, this is the best offense in the country. Yeah. And I think he proved that. He proved Casey's point this week. Yeah, I mean, th- this Everybody on this team has just played, I think, to the best of their ability. It's it's really amazing. Um, it, it's just, I, I was watching this game, and I kept, I mean, maybe it's the Purdue fan in me. Maybe it's just the fact that this team is so young and untested. I was just waiting for something to go wrong. You know, I was like, Gonzaga's going to chip away. Something's going to go on. But they didn't. You know, Purdue took the punches. They didn't allow Gonzaga to get back in this game. And, I mean... It truly was, I mean, up until today, was the best I've seen this team play. E- even in cl- probably, you know, if you include last year's team, it was one of the best games I've seen a, a Purdue team play in recent memory. It-, it was absolutely beautiful, beautiful basketball, fun to watch, entertaining, and, I mean, it just filled my heart with joy. It was it was that good. And another thing you realize about Edie, his defense was 
besides the blocks, his normal defense was working very well. Um, the two people that Edie would mainly guard throughout this game were Anton Watson and um, uh, the tall the tall backup guy, uh, Greg. Oh, yeah, Greg. His- Between the two of them, they scored nine points and accounted for nine fouls. So when you can foul out a guy without scoring, essentially... It's great. And six of those points that uh, Greg scored were three-pointers. Zach Eady doesn't really go out to the three-point line. He'll give you that shot. He's not about to get sucked into a pick-and-roll on top of the... So, yeah, yeah. I mean, if if Zach Eady's guy is shooting a three, that's probably from a statistical standpoint, that's probably a, a shot you're okay with. Exactly. So it's it's just at this point, teams are just throwing bodies in just so that they can try and keep up with Zach Eady, and they're not hap- they're not doing it. No one can keep up with him right now. No, no. And I mean, again, you pointed out Drew Timmy, one of the best in the country. We saw him try, and he couldn't do it. So. Just mm-hmm. absolutely phenomenal. So this victory put Purdue at 5-0, and moved them into the finals of the Phil Knight Invitational. At that point, we did not know, or no, we already knew it was going to be Duke. That's right. Um, Correct. So Purdue would get Saturday off, and they would play on Sunday. So we're going to cover today's game against Duke uh, after the break, but I do you know, want to mention one more thing that happened on Friday that you know, we're not going in the exact order, but uh Nebraska and Iowa played on Friday, and in order for Purdue to win the Big Ten West, Iowa had to lose to Nebraska, a Nebraska team that has been off kilter, that has fired their coach midseason, that has not been like the Nebraska they want to be. Um, but somehow, some way, they found a way to win. And Nebraska corn is better. <laughs> Ryan, I know you didn't believe uh, that Nebraska could pull it off, so... Uh, how shocked were you as you followed that game along? Oh boy, Nebraska was up twenty-four to zero in this game, and I just was hoping it wouldn't come crashing down. To which I thought it was the most Purdue thing ever. <laughs> they allowed seventeen unanswered points to an Iowa offense, and just it was. Oh, I was nervous. Oh, me too. They pulled it out. They pulled it out, and I was happy. Yeah, it was. It was. It was so close to a disaster. It was like the miracle on the Hudson. It's like I got a goose in my engine. I'm going to somehow land it in the lake or in the river. Uh, I'm going to be okay. But, man, it wasn't exactly pretty. So uh, it, it, I'll tell you, it was one of the most fun experiences I've had on Twitter when it's not a Purdue game because there were so many Purdue fans on Twitter tweeting about this Iowa-Nebraska game, rooting for Nebraska because, you know, Everybody knows it was the only way Purdue could get to the Big Ten title game was if Nebraska could pull this off. And I don't think most of us really thought Nebraska could do it. I thought there was a chance, but, you know, nothing nothing really made me believe that it was actually going to happen. And then you could see as the score went up, you know, to 17 to nothing, to 24 to nothing, Purdue fans are like, I... I think this might actually happen. And then you see uh-huh. the Purdue fans starting to get nervous, like, oh, we're going to blow it on the bucket game. Oh, this would be the most Purdue thing ever, and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, they're not wrong, but, like, oh, it yeah. was just, it was a lot of fun watching it go down with another team and knowing that if that happened, it just added so much more to the bucket game. It, it was just so fun. And it was in Kinnick, too, so you just saw yeah. the faces of the Iowa fans just start melting away. It was 
it's good to see another program go through that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're not the only ones out there who are experiencing this. So, I mean, right. it, it was it was so fun. So Nebraska hangs on twenty four to seventeen, and that sets up a showdown on Saturday. Purdue IU three thirty, and we are going to cover that when we come back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And we are back. So, as we left off, Iowa has lost to Nebraska. Purdue is headed to Bloomington with the old oaken bucket on the line. And not just the old oaken bucket. If Purdue wins this game, they go to the Big Ten West Championship for the first time ever. First time ever. They would be representing the Big Ten West against the winner of Michigan-Ohio State, which turns out to be Michigan. Uh, in a surprise, I think, mm-hmm. victory to a lot of people. So, you know, you have to think, if you're Purdue, you're like, this is a game we can win. This is a game we should win. This is setting up so perfectly for Purdue. And yet, and yet, they come out of the gate <clears throat> flat. They go up 3 nothing, allow, allow a long run uh, to IU for a touchdown, I think it was like right. 71 yards uh, to Jalen Lucas, and suddenly they're down 7-3, to three, and that was all the scoring in the entirety of the first half. And, oh man, were things getting dark <laughs> on Purdue Twitter. Absolutely. <laughs> so, and I'm going to, because this is a podcast and we've talked about these things hundreds of times, I will say, yes, I was at Bluey for the first part of the game. Uh, Bluey started at 3 o'clock. It was a 50-minute show. So, honestly, and honest to God, worth every penny that I paid for it. And my my son had a great time, smiling, cheering, laughing, pointing at the stage, and behaved perfectly. We're in the middle of potty training, had no accidents the entire day, so kudos to him. And so we leave, and um, I just bought a car, mm-hmm. like, two weeks ago, the day mm-hmm. of the Northwestern game. And with seemingly with every new car you buy these days, they give you like three months mm-hmm. of Sirius XM. So I'm like, this is perfect. They can chill in the, my wife and my son can chill in the back. I turned on the game on Sirius XM. So I listened to the vast majority of the second quarter. I think I had about 10 and a half minutes left when I got in the car. Um, so listen to the rest of the second quarter, listen to the beginning of the third quarter on the rest of the drive home and then watch the rest. And no, no joke. I walk in the house, not two to three plays later, Purdue scores a touchdown. And I was like, this is it. This is it. We're going to do it. And, I mean, that put Purdue up 10 to, 10 to 7. 
And from there on, they did not look back, but, you know, ended up winning 30 to 16, but it was <laughs> ugly, just absolutely ugly. Um, I, you know, I, I think it's important to point out we saw an injury to IU's quarterback, Dexter Williams, the second, obviously it was a not, it was mm-hmm. a non-contact injury. So not good. Probably a knee. We assume I, yeah. I haven't seen anything official, um, but you just hate to see that for anybody. Uh, we really hope he is is doing well, and if it is a knee injury, as we all assume, that he can rehab and, and come back because he's obviously a very talented young guy, and, and you hate to right. see something and like that. But yeah. you know, I I think he said he had that knee injury before uh, during the game. So unfortunately, some of the sometimes those are recurring. So hopefully, he's able yeah. to come yeah. back and you know. Give some good competition to us, Boilermakers. That's right. That's right. So, overall, I mean, the Purdue defense, actually, mm-hmm. they played pretty well. Um, had their usual boneheaded mistakes, you know, including at the end of the game to allow that last touchdown. Um, some boneheaded penalties. But it's hard to argue with the results when you only allow 16 points. But on the offensive end, Purdue continues to really struggle. Uh, they can't really seem to find their footing Aiden O'Connell, 18 of 29 for 290 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. So continuing your uh, 3-2-1 right. to 0 uh, hypothesis that you had a few weeks back. But uh, it came out after the game that uh, Aiden O'Connell had lost his brother um, on, I, I believe, Wednesday before the game. So when you take that into account, it makes it even more incredible that he was even able to get out there. Um, as someone who has three older brothers myself, and, and this guy, this... Uh, Aiden's older brother was the one who passed away. Um, to think that my brother could pass away and then three days later um, I could go out and do something so incredible like this is to take my team to a Big Ten championship game and win the old Oaken Bucket. I mean, it, it boggles the mind, and we really hope that he and his family can can find some peace and get through this incredibly difficult time. But the poise he showed to be able to go out and do that is something I, I don't think most of us can truly Absolutely. imagine. I could not imagine going through the situation he's going through right now. Um, I, too, will have an older brother. And, I mean, it's such an incredibly difficult time. So we hope that he we hope that he does what's best for him and that, you know, he's got all of our support. Whatever he needs, I'm sure we can do whatever we can for him he certainly deserves it and we wish him nothing but and his absolutely yeah absolutely um so on the offensive side i mean charlie jones another great game only had four catches but it was for 143 yards and a touchdown um so more in line with what you predicted uh you predicted 12 catches 104 yards two touchdowns um, so, you know, not too bad. We both overestimated mm-hmm. how many receptions he would have. You said 12, I said eight, but you know, overall, uh, just another great game for him. Uh, Devin Mockaby, you, you pointed out as we were, as we were on the break, finished with 99 yards rushing and a touchdown also added 58 yards receiving, you know, for a total of 157 all purpose yards there for him. You know, we had a bit of a scare, mm-hmm. uh, during the game when he got hit. 
uh, came out and everybody thought it was maybe a knee injury, but he was back in, I believe, on the next series and continued to run. So that was a huge relief for everybody in Boiler Nation. So Devin needs 151 in two games to 1,000 for the year. He's you got to think he's going to get there. I trust Jeff Brom to put the ball in his hands enough to get him 151. Yeah. So speaking of Jeff Brom mm-hmm. and running the ball, I, I've got to voice some frustration. Mm-hmm. So Purdue goes down in the first drive. I think I think uh, Maccabi had 24, or 26 yards mm-hmm. on the first drive alone uh, and then only finished the half with five carries and you know, they have the sideline reporters down there and they're always like, you know, what talking to the head coach, what do you think you need to do differently? What do you blah blah blah? And Brahm said something to the effect of, you know, I really wish we would have run the mm-hmm. ball more, that's on me, blah blah blah. I got away from what was working. It, Brahm does this every second mm-hmm. or third game, complains mm-hmm. about his own play calling. And and you're like, first it's like, buddy, you call the plays. If if you realize you're not doing something you should do, you have no one to blame but yourself. And yes, taking the blame and realizing it was your mistake, that's great. But I would rather you just quit making that mistake. It's just, it boggles the mind how often Jeff Brom complains about his own play calling and how he got away from it. It, it frustrates Absolutely. the hell out of me. And to some of that, I think sometimes Jeff Brom sees a two or three yard gain as not good enough for the rushing game. The problem is, Devin Mockaby was averaging like eight yards, a run, but to to what degree was he hurting? You know, we saw him go down. He had he was on the ground for a while. He came out of the game, and then he ended up going back in. But how much is that Jeff saying, okay, we don't want you to get hurt, or we don't think you're 100% to keep running the ball too, too much, and I don't think Coach Brom has too much confidence in – Running game beyond Devin Mockaby. Tyrone Tracy and Dylan Downing yeah, I mean, King, only had one or one uh, touch each. So yeah, a total of five yards between them. So the only thing I'll quibble with is I don't think um, the injury, well, injury that turned out not to be, I guess, an injury to Mockaby was either in the late third or fourth quarter. Um, so that doesn't really excuse what happened in the first half that he then complained about. But right. man. He, he's he's got to tighten this up. He's got to figure out what he's doing down there. IU had one of the worst de- mm-hmm. rush defenses in the country, and you got to exploit that, especially with a guy like Maccabee who's who's been so great. I know we had injuries on the offensive line. Hartwig is out, obviously, but you have to exploit the weaknesses of the opponent, and Brom wasn't doing that and then criticized himself for not doing that. So it, it's a very frustrating situation, but... You know, we can quibble all we want, but it was just absolutely incredible. Uh, Purdue wins. I want to point out the Corey Trice touchdown in the fourth quarter was mm-hmm. was pretty perfect. The IU guy bobbles the ball, tries to get a couple more yards, and Trice just literally wrestles the ball away from him uh, while standing and just waltzes into the end zone for a touchdown. Uh, <laughs> what, a, what a punctuation mark right. on the scoring for it Purdue. Was- yeah, and the defense truly only get like I understand they gave up 16 points, but in all honesty, they gave up one field goal, a 71-yard touchdown on a broken play that was kind of just like an option play and a few missed tackles and then a garbage time touchdown as clock. The defense held its own today, but it was really 
Indiana had a game plan throughout the entire week, and when your quarterback goes down, all of that gets thrown right out. Luckily for them, they had Connor Blazelak, so he's been in that role already this season, but you don't game plan against anybody, or you never game plan against Purdue with that quarterback up until this week, and he wasn't the starting quarterback, so... Yeah. Well, and the fact that he had been the starting quarterback and then was benched in favor of Dexter Williams the second, you would almost, you assume, hey, this guy's not playing. He got benched from his starting role early in the year. So I understand it can make things a little difficult, but I mean, he did, he ended up throwing 42 passes, which is astounding considering when we, when we talked about their last, I use last game against Michigan State, mm-hmm. they only threw seven. Um, so quite the change, but it didn't matter. Uh, Purdue walks away 30-16 to victory. They keep the bucket. They're heading to Indianapolis. We're the Big Ten West champs at 8-4, and 6-3 and three overall in the conference. And, you know, we're going to cover this more mm-hmm. in our next podcast. Um, so I just... Not even a coach I'm shocked. Um, they are outright. Oh, is it really? I, they're not even Illinois? Um, I believe they that That's, Illinois has four losses in conference. It's wild. Absolutely wild. Um, this is everyone expected. <laughs> I can't. I yeah. I mean, you know, when Casey and I did our um, did our yeah, they do Illinois five and four in conference. Absolutely crazy. Um, when Casey and I did our preseason discussion of what we thought football could do, honest, honestly, we were both with with our black and gold glasses. We we had them at ten and two as a best case scenario, and we were honest. We're not that far off. We almost won that Penn State game. Almost right. won that Syracuse game. And that would have put Purdue at ten and two, but ultimately we're we're Big Ten West champions. We're not going to remember in the future those little tiny losses, and we're going to remember we're Big Ten West champions. We got the bucket, we got the cannon. We're heading to Indianapolis on December third, eight p.m. I believe is the kickoff to take on the Michigan Wolverines. And hey, let's shock the world one more time. Uh, what a way to end this year uh, for Purdue football regular season. Absolutely perfect. So. Uh, you ready to move on to today, Sunday's final oh, sure. uh, Purdue Let's game? Keep the train rolling. So Purdue in the finals of the Phil Knight Invitational, taking on the number eight ranked Duke Blue Devils. And anytime you play Duke, you know it's going to be a game. Um, Duke has been one of the Blue Bloods, I think, the entirety of my life. They've had a few down years here and there, but that happens to everybody, and they're never down for long. Mm-hmm. They're always coming back. Um We've seen, you know, Purdue play Duke in the Big Ten ACC Challenge uh, when Robbie Hummel, I believe, was at Purdue, got absolutely blown out. Uh, Purdue played Duke in the Sweet 16 back in, I believe, 2009 uh, in Houston, Texas. I went to that game. Purdue got absolutely blown out. And it has not been good for Purdue to play Duke in recent memory. However, this was a completely (laughs) different ball game. Purdue walks away with a 75 to 56 victory, a 19 point victory over the number eight team in the country. And just again, they started out a little slow. Duke Duke was ahead. Um, but once Purdue pulled ahead, they led the rest of the game, pushed it almost to 20 points. And I, I just, if you would have told me a month ago that this Purdue team with a true freshman starting point guard, a true freshman uh, guard and Fletcher lawyer would beat Gonzaga and Duke 
by double digits, I would have called you a liar and slapped you in the face. Like, could you imagine no, this, Ryan? Think, There's no way. I think us Purdue fans were coming into this tournament thinking, okay, let's you know get past West Virginia, let's be competitive with Gonzaga, and let's get us a third win on you know in a consolation game. Nowhere near what we expected has. In three games, Purdue beat by double digits, three straight teams, um, and then the two latter teams are top ten teams. I believe on Twitter they said this yeah. is the second time this has ever occurred, that on a neutral yep. court, two top ten teams in a weekend. This was insane. I mean, there was points in the game where you just like okay pinch me i don't know if this is real what are we doing yeah yeah and and to your point um purdue is second team ever to beat two ap top 10 teams by 18 plus points on a neutral site in the same week joining only ucla in the 1968 final good coach on that team too and yeah pretty good coach they might have had a guy you probably heard of i believe his name is kareem abdul jabbar uh so yeah, good, great in the movie Airplane. Uh, you would never know it was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He really disappeared into the role. Um, but every time every time it looked like Duke was coming back in that second half, I believe they got it down to, to nine Seven, or maybe even yeah. eight at one mm-hmm. point. Uh, yeah, and Purdue just, Purdue just counterpunched. Purdue was ready. Purdue was waiting. Um, I think was it Fletcher Lawyer who hit uh, the three at under four minutes uh, to put Purdue back up by 12, mm-hmm. and at that point the game was over. Um, I mean, d- there was no coming back from it. It was the it was under four minutes left. The lead was double digits. Purdue was looking confident. the The crowd was into it. I mean, everything about this game was was just wonderful. I mean, this was this was NCAA tournament basketball played in the month of November. I mean, this was March basketball in November, and Purdue is playing. Just incredible basketball right now. Purdue played two different styles of basketball in this game. Duke, in the second half, decided to go with a 2-3 zone and did full-court press. So Purdue was not doing the same stuff. Mind you, they scored 17 less points in the second half, but, but, I mean, they still made it work. They found out that you can go to the center of the court with a pass when you have full court press and Caleb first was perfect in that role throughout the day. He would get right over mid court. He'd be in the center for the outlet pass. And it was, I don't think a single turnover was, uh, uh, committed by Purdue because of the full court pass or press. They did slow down the sets. They made it so you couldn't get the ball into Zach Eady as easily, but they, um, didn't force the too many turnovers with that press, which was really good to see. Yeah, just eleven, just eleven turnovers for Purdue, which was equal to what Duke had. Um, I think there might there might have been at least one uh, turnover that was based on that okay. pressure. I believe uh, Purdue threw it uh, to a Duke guy, but you to your point, I mean, not very many. Um, but Caleb first, you pointed out, excellent game for Caleb first, probably the best game he's had um, in about a season and a half. Played twenty four minutes. Uh, grabbed 10 rebounds, had 11 points, two assists, one block, zero turnovers. He just looked great in this game. Um, it looked great against Gonzaga, too, we should point out. Uh, a couple really great dunks, a lot of energy in that game. 
And Caleb First is really, really rounding into form what I think a lot of us thought he was going to be last year before uh, he got COVID and kind of hit that freshman wall that, you know, they all tend to do. So Zach Eady again, another great game. 7 of 13, 21 points, 12 rebounds, 3 assists, 0 turnovers. I just, whenever Purdue needed somebody... Somebody stepped up, whether that was Lawyer going four for eight from three, whether that was Edie with just, you know, he's he's just a, I need a bucket, get me the ball kind of guy this year. 32 minutes, 32 <laughs> minutes for the big man. Just, we didn't think this was, we did not think or expect that he was going to be playing 30 plus minutes a night nearly every game. And yet here we are, and he's looked phenomenal against absolutely stellar competition. And two, he forced two Duke players to fall out in um, Lively and Filipowski. And Filipowski is one of the better yeah. big... Yeah, Filipowski he's one of the better big it. men in the country. So he ended up with 14 points. So he still made an impact. I believe he was second on the team. Yeah, there was a 14, a 16 by Proctor, and 14 by Roach. So, yeah. I mean, outside of those three players... Duke had almost nothing going on. The next closest was six points by Whitehead. So, I mean, defense worked hard in this game, and they got it done. I mean, 21 points in the second half for Duke. That's it? That's that's a good day. Yeah, I mean, you look at at the scoreboard, and you're like, wow, 56 points Mm -hmm. is all Duke could muster. And then you go in, and you look at kind of like the play-by-play and the score summary, and Purdue only allowed Duke to score one point in the final nine minutes and 17 seconds of game time. And now, obviously, one point was a free throw. And that is that is almost a half of a half, and Duke mustered one point. One point. The Purdue defense just absolutely locked down. They found a way to slow down the number eight ranked team, and they were going hard after the rebounds to prevent second chance opportunities. I mean, they did everything right in this game. Everything. I mean, the biggest complaint I think I saw on Twitter was, like you mentioned, I think in the either the West Virginia or Gonzaga game, they were going after rebounds so hard that they were causing two Purdue players to collide, and Duke got some rebounds that way. But if that's our biggest complaint, I mean, man, we're Absolutely. living right. And you just saw that Purdue looks like it's just long out there. Each player looks like they're about they got about four more inches on their wingspan. They are long and. I think I will forever have the image of Brayton Smith jumping at a defender because he does it every time. He will go and he will be going after a shooter. Now, usually you don't want that, but just, again, it's an effort. He is putting, you know, pedal to the floor just to get to every ball and get up a shot block. And once he gets one of those, we will be in awe for the next couple of days. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this team, it just, it's some of the most fun I've had watching basketball, at least Purdue basketball, in mm-hmm. four or five years. Because everyone out there is busting their ass, and they're so talented, they're so athletic, they're so skilled. To your point, they're so long. It's, I mean, it's just incredible. Uh, Fletcher Lawyer today, again, true freshman playing against Duke on a neutral court. Six of 14, he had 18 points Two steals, two rebounds, only one turnover. Um, Mason Gillis, two for two from three, eight total points. Um, you know, we saw Brian Waddell dunk the that basketball ACL today looks fine to in me. six minutes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Brian Waddell was like a 
it, you know, no no shade to Brian Waddell, but he was a guy who we didn't think would right. really play that much this year, and here he is getting six mm-hmm. minutes against Duke. You know, the, and and they weren't right. garbage minutes. These were important, mm-hmm. impactful minutes, and and I mean, everyone on this team. David Jenkins Jr. had a great game. He only played uh, only only scored four points, but one of them was a turnaround jumper with one second yeah, left on the shot clock. That is just a Absolutely. dagger to defenses, yep. just a dagger to a defense. When you play 29 seconds, a great defense. David Jenkins Jr. had the ball at the top of the key. Uh, someone came to set a screen. He waved him off. He was like, no, I got it, and hit a turnaround with one second left on the shot clock. And, and a, when you're Duke, mm-hmm. you just got to throw your hands up because you played 29 seconds of great D, and ultimately, it didn't matter. Resulted in two points for Purdue. Everyone on this team was firing at all cylinders. It, it was it was such such a now, great game. One person I think we absolutely have to give a shout out to though, Ethan Morton. I've said this before on Twitter, and I'm gonna double down on it. He is the smartest player in the conference. I'd say country, but Ivy League. Some of them guys are pretty pretty smart guys. <laughs> Just the way he knows how to navigate a uh, against a defense. He knows who to go to, how to weave in and out so that he can get off a screen, and then he knows exactly who to pass to. It's just unbelievable how good he is. I know he had a turnover today, which is like his second on the season. It's, it's incredible. Wild. I mean... He honestly looks like he's a player from the 1960s when he dribbles, and he <laughs> passes like it too. He does, you know, full chest pass. It is fantastic. He knows when you get an offensive rebound, don't pass it right away. Wait for the defender to come off you before figuring out where people are. And he, oh, I cannot get over how intelligent he plays. <laughs> And he's starting to rub off on other players. I know we uh, we mentioned it on Twitter when he did the canceled the two for one during the Gonzaga game. Yeah, yeah. T- tell people about that because I'm not sure so, everybody saw it. I believe Gonzaga scored the ball with about 37 seconds left in the half. Ethan Morton before a, the Mason Gillis, I think, or one of the other Purdue players inbounded the ball. He told them to wait because you're allotted your five seconds to hold the ball and the clock's still running during that whole time. So if you hold the ball until there's 31, 32 seconds, you essentially cancel the opportunity for the opponent to get a two for one. So by the time Purdue shot, there was only, I think, one or two seconds left on the clock and you can't dribble it up and get a better possession. Those five seconds make a huge yeah, and true, difference. Yeah, and true enough, uh, Gonzaga did not score uh, and had to exactly. just do a half-court heave um, on the ensuing possession. And that was, as you said, so, so smart uh, by Ethan Morton. So hopefully that is something, as you said, that mm-hmm. rubs off on the rest of the team. But, you know, Purdue goes 3-0 and this weekend in the uh, – Phil Knight Invitational, just absolutely phenomenal all-around basketball by everybody. So I wanted to see and on Ken Palm, because obviously we don't have new rankings. We'll get those early next week, and those should be great for Purdue. And I want to ask you about that in a moment. But I pulled up the Ken Palm rankings to see where Purdue was after all of these games. And I want you to guess uh, where Purdue is now ranked overall in, in Ken, Ken Palm. Palm. After all these games, I would say seven. Oh, you are so close. We are eighth. 
Purdue is listed eighth. Gonzaga okay. actually seventh, so still one above us. Um, and right now on adjusted def- on adjusted offense, Purdue is fourth best in the country. On adjusted defense, Purdue twenty eighth best in the country. So those are some pretty good numbers right there. Um, we now are ahead of Indiana on Kempom. They are eleventh. So really get great stuff uh, for Purdue. Just showed the world who they could truly be and. Oh boy! I mean, just just absolutely amazing. Um, so rankings, new college rankings come out early next week, I believe Monday. Where do we think Purdue is going to land? Um, they were 24th in the most recent rankings. Keep in mind they beat number six and they beat number eight, along with an unranked West Virginia team in the last week here. So what do we think is going to happen come Monday? So I like I know that the voters like to repeat themselves and. Earlier this season. Yes, they do. Oh, it's yeah, a real sure. problem. Earlier this season, Michigan State played Gonzaga really close. They beat Kentucky, and I believe they moved up 13 or 14 spots in the rankings in a single week. I think Purdue can do that again. I just think they'll be right around the 10 to 12. That's It's just... It's unfathomable that this Purdue team would be 10 to 12, ranked 10 to 12. I mean, I assumed this season would be not a lost season, not a bad season. But when you lose as much talent as Purdue did, I thought it would be a difficult season. Mm -hmm. And it still may be. You know, keep in mind, we are only six games in. But Purdue has looked phenomenal. They beat number six. They beat number eight. They beat him on neutral courts. And that Gonzaga game really was more of a Mm -hmm. home court for Gonzaga. And Purdue dominated in and those West games. And West Virginia is receiving votes. I think you're right. I, yeah, yeah. So they're Good a top point. 30 Good squad. I think, I think come Monday, I think Purdue will be ranked in the top 10. Mm. And so I'm so anxious to see so anxious to see what voters do. Um, the, the voters continuing to rank teams just based on what they did previously is one of my mm-hmm. biggest pet peeves because it, it makes the preseason rankings matter so much when they're basically yeah. garbage. You're basing so much of it on assumptions and who you think a team is going to be and who they added and how they're going to gel and how they're going to mesh. Um, but Purdue has actual results. If they if they ranked teams only on results, Purdue would right. be number one. <laughs> Purdue would be number one come, come the new rankings. I mean, there's no doubt. They have the best resume of anyone in college basketball mm-hmm. right now, bar none. I mean, come at me with a better program once this gets posted on Monday, but I don't think you can do it. So I think Purdue will legitimately be ranked in the top 10 and they will have earned it. And it's going to make every Purdue fan nervous and we're all (laughs) going to be terrified, but man, what a ride this season has already been just six games in. To your point, I mean, the number one team in the country lost twice this North Carolina lost twice to an unranked Iowa state and Alabama in a consolation game. In like four what four overtimes. overtimes? Oh my goodness! It was, it was absolutely brutal to watch. It was I, I don't think I I had I think I've had enough basketball weekend up until that point, and then you added four overtimes. <laughs> so yeah, that's a lot of extra. That's a that's a whole extra half mm-hmm. of basketball right there. I want to say like seven players fouled out. Man, that's that's nuts. That's nuts. It was probably not very good no, basketball no, there at not. the end. No, so I mean that's gonna do it. You know that that wraps up probably the greatest Purdue sports weekend of my lifetime. Uh, basketball is on fire. Football is heading to the Big Ten championship game. 
Um, I have applied for a credential for myself and Jed, uh, another writer there on Hammer and Rails, waiting to hear back. Um, I, I have no reason to think we would be declined. Uh, we get them every time we apply. Um, but the deadline uh, to apply, I believe, is Monday, and then they'll let you know on Tuesday. So I've already booked a flight, so uh, I will be in attendance one way or the other, either with a credential or a ticket right. I buy off the street. So uh, I will Ryan, be are you driving on going? There. So I'll be driving from Raleigh to Indianapolis uh, okay. about nine and a half hours. And I was that was my question. You beat me to it. There we go. Um, so we're going to record midweek like we always do. We're going to talk a lot about this Big Ten championship game. But Boiler Nation, you know, enjoy the hell more. out of this weekend. It was a lot of fun. I've got one more okay, thing one that's more. exciting. Just now, Purdue Volleyball okay. is making the tournament. So hey, they will play there Tennessee. we go. All right. Because yes, Selection was. Show was tonight, so wasn't they it? They play Tennessee on Friday. All right. There we go. Uh, so Absolutely. yet more good news for for Purdue sports. So there we go. Dave Shondell and the and the uh, Purdue volleyball team keep the streak going. Hopefully they can make a dent. I know um, it's been a rough year just because the mm-hmm. Big Ten is so good. Um, so we'll see what they can do when they get away from some Big Ten teams. So uh, Boiler Nation, enjoy this weekend. I mean, what a ride it was. Everything went right. Now let's prepare to go into Indianapolis and absolutely shock the world. Boiler up, folks.